Thanks so much for being with us today at Life Center. If I haven't met you, my name is Tyler, and I get the opportunity to serve on the team here as the senior pastor, and uh, just so thrilled that you've taken part of your Sunday to be with us. You know, we are spending the next number of weeks looking at the subject of living life less offendable. How many of you, if you could be like 10% less offended next year compared to the year behind you, that would be a good thing. Uh, I want to be less offendable. And so we've entitled this series, No Offense. Can you say no offense? Have you noticed that people around you, people in your workplace, people in your neighborhood, people in your family, tend to be a little bit easily offended? And so we are going to journey with Scripture, what it has to say to us about this. Uh, But before we begin today, I want to remind us that as we journey through this series together, we need to be reminded, we cannot do this without the Holy Spirit. If you leave here today, if you leave this moment and you say, okay, I'm just going to try harder to be less offended, good luck with that. I need a power bigger than what Tyler has to offer. I need the power of the Holy Spirit at work in my life in order to be less offended. And so I want to make sure we're aware that we need the the Spirit at work in our lives as we journey together. Last week, we talked about unoffendable living 101. We talked about this box over here and our tendency, our propensity to walk into the box and to just grab onto a fence, not always realizing what is attached to picking up the offense. And we end up in this place of, of being trapped. Today, I want to continue on kind of the next step of what happens often after we experience offense in our lives. And that's where we end up in a trap called revenge. Can you say revenge? You ever heard somebody say, you know what? I don't get mad. I get even. Well, how many of you have ever used that phrase? I I don't get mad. I get even. And it, it doesn't make me nervous when somebody looks mad and they're saying that to me. What makes me nervous is when somebody is totally calm, totally collected, and they look at me and they go, I don't get mad. I get even. Those are the people that concern me. Because you know that something inside of, they have the capacity and the desire and the drive to bring about revenge like they see fit. Let's be honest, all of us, we engage in the work of revenge from time to time. And sometimes revenge goes right, or at least we think it does. You know, an example of this is usually when the snow falls here occasionally in the Pacific Northwest. I'll be doing something, I'll be outside, and one of my children will have the audacity to make a snowball and throw it at me. And as that snowball tags me, I look at them with a calm demeanor, and I just do this. Because I will spend the next number of minutes or hours plotting planning, scheming for not just a good moment, the right moment. And what they will receive is not a snowball in return. Oh, no, 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 friends, no. What they will receive when they least expect it is dad 
running, tackling them, bringing their face into a pile of snow and not stopping there. Why? Because there is more snow that needs to be scooped up and put down in between their coat and their skin to remind them, don't you ever think about throwing a snowball at your father. I will always be bigger than you. I will always be stronger than you. And I am good at revenge in Jesus' name. And yet often what happens is I end up, even though I brought some payback, I end up paying for that later on. Some tears, some frustration. There's other pranks that end up coming my direction. You see, I I think revenge went right, but let's be honest, revenge, when we engage in it, it, it rarely goes right. You ever experienced revenge going wrong? A number of years ago, I was a youth pastor, and I was working with our junior high students. We did this big move-up pool party for fifth graders who were coming into sixth grade, and we had all these parents. It was August. It was just about the start of the new school year, and so excited. And one of our incoming fifth graders, her name was Roxy, and she had the audacity to shove me in the pool when I wasn't ready, and now I'm soaking wet. Parents, junior high students, adult leaders, and I looked at Roxy and I just did this. And I was waiting for the right moment. And Roxy, she wasn't paying attention. I ran over and I I picked her up and I was about to throw her in and she was small enough and kind of wiry enough to to get away from me. And so I I took a step like I was going to chase her and she takes off running, but she slips and she falls. And Roxy was wearing her brand new jeans that she had just bought for the school year. And she rips her jeans. She's embarrassed. She's crying. Amber gives me the look. (laughs) And what happened was, now that Roxy is crying, I feel bad. I feel kind of ashamed of what just happened. And not only that, Amber looks at me. She goes, you realize that you are going to be buying her a new pair of jeans. You see, I I engaged in revenge, the revenge went wrong, and I still ended up paying, even though I thought I was paying her back. That's often how the trap of revenge works in our lives. We've got to be aware of this. Why? Because if we are on this journey of of living unoffendable, we've got to pay attention. Because once the, the dynamic of offense takes root in our heart, we begin to take steps towards this next trap called revenge. I've been hurt. I've been wounded. I'm upset. Something needs to be done about it. Therefore, it must be revenge. Brant Hansen made this statement in his book, Unoffendable. He said, perhaps a big part of being less offendable is seeing the human heart for what it actually is. Untrustworthy, unfaithful, prone to selfishness, okay, got it, now we don't have to be shocked. Isn't it funny when we're so amazed, we're so shocked that that people have a bad day? Now we're okay with us having a bad day, but we, we often lay on other people this unrealistic expectation that we ourselves, we know we can't live out, but we want everybody else to live it out. And then when they don't live it out, we get offended, we get frustrated. 
They, they say the wrong thing at the wrong moment. They use the wrong tone. They, they're having an off day, and we, we pick up that offense. And, and if they don't deal with that offense like we think they should, then we move towards the trap called revenge. Can't tell you how often I'm expectant of others to live at a level that I know I'm not capable of living, but I kind of demand it of them. What about you? See, the reality is when when people fail us, we get hurt. And that hurt leads to this dynamic called offense in our lives. And offense, it it leads us to the foot of a dangerous trap called wanting to, to take revenge. And revenge often is the next step after offense has taken some territory in my heart and my mind. Dallas Willard, a famous writer, theologian, he made this statement. Whenever we take offense, it's because we believe our kingdom has been invaded. Somebody took some territory in our lives, they said something, and and therefore, man, I'm not okay with this. That's not how it works in my kingdom. We get frustrated, we get get agitated. I want you to think for a moment about the progression of of revenge, and specifically for those of us today who are followers of Jesus. In other words, we believe this message of the gospel that God has done for us what we can never do for ourselves. You see, here's here's the journey of what revenge actually looks like and what the root of it is. The root of revenge is this. I was wronged. I was wronged. And because I was wronged, now I'm offended. So I was wronged, and and being wronged isn't right. Can I get an amen? There's never a point in your life where where you were wronged, that was the right thing. Being wronged isn't right. But here's where we make this shift in our lives. And to make it right, somebody's got to pay. To make it right, somebody's got to pay. And the payment that I will accept is revenge. That's the pathway of how this works in our lives. I I was wronged. Being wronged isn't right. In order to make it right, somebody's got to pay. And the one payment that I will accept is this thing called revenge. And here's why we have to be aware of this dynamic. Because for those of us who are followers of Jesus, but we walk down that pathway, understand that is the anti-gospel. I was wronged. And being wronged isn't right. And somebody's got to pay. And the only payment I will accept is revenge. You see, that is the opposite of the gospel. Because let me remind you what the gospel says. God was wronged by my sin. And being wronged isn't right. And to make it right, somebody had to pay. But understand, the payment that God accepted, it was Jesus' sacrifice. And as followers of Jesus, we need to understand that because if we've been marked by the gospel, then living out a different gospel is incredibly dangerous territory for our souls in our lives. Demanding repayment from other people. Demanding the the very thing that God in his grace has set us free from. We, We have to pay attention. We have to be aware of this. You see, God, instead of taking revenge on me, aren't you thankful that God did not take revenge on you? 
God, instead of taking revenge on me, what did he do? He worked towards reconciliation and redemption. Not revenge, reconciliation and redemption. So how do we avoid stepping into this trap called revenge? I want us to look at the words of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me. Luke chapter 6. Jesus says these words, But I say to you who listen, love your enemies. Do what is good to those who hate you. To those who hate me, Jesus? Yes, to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Now, so far, in, in just a few words, Jesus says this. Do good, bless, and pray. And by the way, the people who are receiving the, the do good, the bless, the pray, they don't deserve it. These are enemies. These are people who have cursed you. These are people who have mistreated us. Do good. Bless. Pray. By the, this is where we so often look at the words of Jesus. Have you noticed? Maybe you do this. Uh, we treat some of Jesus' words as if he was being literal. And then other words we treat like, oh, he didn't really mean it that way. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't actually, so like, we, we love, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's literal. That's literal. That's literal. Love your enemies. It's kind of metaphor. It's not, didn't fully mean it. Let, let's go back. What, what does a different translation say? He goes on. Verse 29. If anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. And if anyone takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks you, and from someone who takes your things, don't ask for them back. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. In other words, the same grace that we want to receive from others when we have a bad day, when, when we woke up on the wrong side of the bed, when, when we thought we were saying the right words, but they came out a little bit wrong. I know nobody's ever had that issue in their life. The very same grace we want to receive, we got to be willing to extend. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do what is good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For he is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Can I get an amen? amen. He's gracious. The times that we've been ungrateful, the times that we've been unmerciful, the times that we've actually walked with an evil heart or evil motives or evil intention. We wouldn't say that about ourselves, but that's what it is. God is merciful. Look at verse 36. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Jesus has this expectation that as children of our Heavenly Father that we would actually embody some of those family features, that we would look and act and have some of those character, issue, character traits and characteristics in our lives. 
And I know this is a wrestle, right? Because we say, but, but Jesus, won't people take advantage of that kind of generosity? I mean, if I, if I bless those who curse me, I pray for those who mistreat, won't people kind of see me as a sucker and they'll just continue to take advantage of me? Maybe. And again, it doesn't mean you don't, you don't draw boundaries in your life, you don't use wisdom, but, but here's the key. What if Jesus was serious and literal about turning the cheek or walking the extra mile? What if he really meant what he said? Another way to say it is this. Being wronged doesn't justify doing wrong. In our lives, Sometimes it's easy to get to a place where somebody did us wrong, said something wrong, a circumstance was wrong, and therefore, because of that, we feel like we can set aside this new nature responsibility that we have as a follower of Jesus and say, you know what, you did me wrong, and guess what, game on. You throw a snowball at me, get ready for your whole face to go into a snowbank. Being wronged, doesn't justify doing wrong. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he writes a letter to a church in the city of Corinth. And he says in chapter 6 that, that he's received word that you have Christians against Christians taking one another to court to sue one another. And Paul is shocked to hear this. That, that people, brothers and sisters in Christ, are actually having Disputes. Imagine that, Christians having disputes. Wow. Not just disputes. They're taking each other to court. And I, I know as we hear that today, some of us will go, well, Tyler, I would never sue a brother or sister in Christ. I would never get offended and then try to pull them in front of a judge. But can I ask the question, what about taking them to the court of public opinion? How many of us have been wronged or, or offended and, and we don't take them and, and sue them in a literal sense. We just take them and bring them before the court of Facebook. Have you noticed there's a lot of judges on Facebook? Have you noticed this? It's like the whole thing is, is a jury. Ready, just waiting for you to say something wrong and, and you're about to get blown up. And it, it's amazing. We, we would say, well, I would never bring somebody to, to an actual court, but how often do we bring our issues to the court of public opinion? Can you believe what they said to me? Can you believe how they treated me? Can you believe that they did this? And we try to air it in front of other people because I think a lot of times we want sympathy more than we want freedom. Understand. Paul continues his thought, and he says this in verse 7 of chapter 6. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Well, Paul, that, that seems like you're just laying down on justice. Like, like justice doesn't matter. No, no, no. Understand. It's right to want justice. It's wrong to take revenge. And we've got to understand the difference between the two. It's right to want justice. It's wrong to take revenge. But how do we know the difference between am I walking out justice or am I walking out revenge? Well, here's a few thoughts between the difference of the two. Revenge is predominantly emotional. Justice is primarily rational. 
Revenge is by nature personal. You're going to pay. But justice is hopefully impersonal and impartial. Revenge is about cycles. Justice is about closure. See, revenge will continue to draw up the same thing over and over and over. But justice is to bring things to a conclusion. Revenge is about retaliation. Justice is about restoring balance. We need to be aware of these dynamics. And and let me dig in here for a bit because many of us assume we would never actually take revenge. Some of us today, we're we're thinking about this concept. We're going, well, Tyler, that's all great in theory, but but at the end of the day, Tyler, I'm not going to go out and slash somebody's tires because they did something mean to me. Tyler, I'm not going to smash out somebody's window just to pay them back. And and here's here's the dynamic. We we might not actually think we're going to do something. Now, some of us will, will think about it. Some of us will daydream about it. Some of us, we would actually plot out what it would look like and sound like and feel like to to bring revenge to that situation. But then we say, well, I, I would never actually do anything like that. But understand, there's a difference between active revenge and passive revenge. Many of us, we would never actually engage in active revenge But many of us, we are pretty proficient in passive revenge. And this is important because much of Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, it deals not just with external actions, but internal motivation. All of us, part of our human condition, we enjoy plausible deniability. So when it comes to revenge, well, I don't want something bad to happen for them, I just want them to suffer a little bit. (laughs) Plausible deniability. I'm not going to do anything. I just want to see them squirm. What goes around comes around. I, I, I just want a little bit of revenge. See, though it's not active, understand it's still revenge. Let me unpack what what some examples of passive revenge might look like in our lives. Gossip. Slander. Oh, they always, oh, they are such a jerk. Yeah, I I can't believe that. What about this? Ignoring. Shunning. Being passive Aggressive. Come on, how many of you, that is your spiritual gift? You are a passive aggressive person. Somebody just raised their spouse's hand for them. That was amazing. <laughs> passive aggressive. You see, I, I would never take revenge, but, but how many marriages we are very good at giving the silent treatment? Well, I'm not taking revenge, I'm just slapping them with silence over and over over and over again. I'm I'm not taking revenge. I'm just just creating space. Are are you sure? There's a difference between active revenge and and passive revenge. What what about building sides? Kind of misery loves 
right? So I'm miserable because I'm offended about that person. I'm going to get you back. And so I'm going to poison all of these other people to let them know how big of a jerk you are. This doesn't happen, does it? What about choosing to stay stuck or being unwilling to move forward or move on? See, if we're going to avoid the trap of revenge and understand the reason why we need to avoid it is because it will poison your soul. It's not God's best for your life. But in order to do that, there's a couple of things we need to leave. I want to share two things we need to leave today. Number one, we need to leave room for God to act. Leave room for God to act. And this is hard because sometimes we look at the situation and since we are intimately involved with the details of the situation, we know what should be done. But how many of us have come face to face with the reality that I'm not God and sometimes I don't see things as clearly as I think I do? Paul gives some instruction in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12. He says this, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's sight. If possible. Can you say if possible? What this means is it's not always possible. But if possible, as far as it depends on you. See, here's the, here's the dynamic right here, what Paul's talking about. It's not so much how they responded. It's up to you on how you are going to respond. Well, Tyler, they haven't come back to me and said I'm sorry yet. Okay. Do you want to stay in that trap or do you want to be free? Well, Tyler, they, they haven't fixed it yet. They haven't brought the payback. They haven't brought forth the payment that I want to see. What gospel are you preaching to yourself? Be careful. Be careful. It says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, it's, it's not always going to be possible. But as far as it's up to me, man, I'm going to do everything I can do. I can't control the other person. And let's be honest, this is where we get into a trap sometimes because we get frustrated that we can't make the other person change. But how many of us realize we can't even change ourselves sometimes? Another message for another day. <laughs> Verse 19, friends, do not avenge yourselves. But it's so sweet when you do. No, 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 no. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Some of us right there are like, fiery coals. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on to that thought, because I, I could feel it in the room. I could feel it online. Some of you are like, that's how I get my revenge. I'm going to act like I'm doing good things, and then my doing good things is going to be the revenge. No, no, no. Stay with me. Verse 21, do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. See, the goal 
And I know many of us, we, we get stuck on verse 20 right there. Well, Tyler, Paul just said, don't, don't seek out revenge. But then he said, if, if we do some things, we get to heap fiery coals on people? That sounds like revenge, does it not? We've got to understand the context. We're, we're not doing those things so that that person will experience that. No, it's actually living out the character, the expectations that God just expects from us, that that individual ends up experiencing conviction, not that I'm trying to create conviction, but as I live free, because the more that I can freely bless somebody who they are frustrated with me or there's tension, the more that I can just love and serve and give and bless, and I'm walking in freedom, they get ticked. Now, I'm not doing it to tick them off. I'm doing it because I'm free. I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do. I'm doing it because it's exactly what Jesus did for me. An enemy because of my sin, but now a son because of his grace. Understand, it changes everything when we leave room for God to act. Why? Because we have to remember, God is better at changing people's hearts than we are. Because at the end of the day, I have a hard time changing my own heart. What about you? We've got to leave room. We've got to leave room for God to act. We've got to leave room for, for him to step in. And we can't forget an important truth that, that a wise person once said. You want to know how to have less enemies in your life? Here's the key. The best way to get rid of an enemy is to turn them into a friend. Turn them into a friend. Love and serve and bless. Not so that they get scorched by the hot coals. They're going to have to bring that on themselves if they get frustrated. That's on them. I am free. I'm going to be free to love and to serve. And so those who, who I see as enemies, what happens if I begin to see those who I see as enemies and begin to treat them and love them as a friend? It's amazing how much freedom we experience in that. We've got to leave room for God to act. But second, I want to encourage us to leave others out of it. Leave others out of it. This is where the wrestle happens in our lives. Why? Because we all want and need support in life. But the danger is this. Jeremiah says this about our heart, that the heart is deceitful above all things. And so where's the line between me just confiding in somebody and me bringing and pulling somebody else into a trap that I am now living in? Just because misery loves company. You see, we can convince ourselves that, that well, I'm just sharing my truth or, or I'm just confiding in a safe place. And hopefully that's the case. Hopefully that's where you are at. But don't lose sight of the truth that God knows our private motives we don't always see our private motives for what they are. So I want to encourage us as we all are going to face circumstances with people, with friends, with family, as we engage with others in this world, there's, there's going to be an opportunity to make our way to the trap. And this is where we have to be careful because many of us, we are not satisfied in solitary confinement, are we? See, many of us, we, we, get, we get offended about something, we're upset, somebody says something, somebody looks at us wrong, and we decide, you know what? 
I need some support. Some people need to hear about this. So Pastor Andy, come here, come here, come here. Michael, come here, come here. Come on, run, 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 run. Run, faster. Colby, Colby, run. Come on, come on. Come here. You guys will not believe this. You will not believe. Get, Get in here. Get in here. Get in here. Get in here. Let me tell you something that happened right now because you guys will not believe the audacity. Do you... Do you see Brandon playing the guitar on the stage? Oh, yeah. Okay, listen. I, I know you, got, you might not see this, but during that one song, he was giving me a look. Did you? Yes. Did you? He gives me a look. He gives you a look too? Fire him. Fi- fire him? Yeah. He thinks he's so cool. He thinks he's so... Yeah. Guitar, yeah. So like... Black clothes. Yeah. Like... Hoodie. Uh, the hoodie. The hoodie. What what's up with the hoodie? Anyways. This is so bad. He's so so you know what? We should we should let him know that we're frustrated at him. I'm not gonna talk to him. Yeah. No. No? Not worth my time. Not worth the time. Yeah, okay. Okay. Ready? Go fight win. Okay. Alright. Just act normal. Act normal. Act normal. Now, that, that might sound like a silly example. And some of us, we go, Tyler, only fifth graders do that. <laughs> you sure? Because here's the problem with what just happened. They were not even a part of it. I was the one who was trapped. They were not even trapped. But because of my own frustration, my own offense, my own problems. I needed others to, I I needed to build, I needed to kind of mount my army of offense towards probably one of the least offensive people I've ever met in the world, Brandon. Like, Brandon's the sweetest guy. But it's interesting how quickly we, we justify pulling other people into our mess. You know, Proverbs chapter 26, verse 20 says this, without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a conflict dies down. How many of us were were still in the middle of a conflict and it could have been over months ago, years ago, decades ago, but the problem is people keep talking about it. People keep bringing it up. People want to pull you back into the box or you keep pulling other. Can you believe? I still can't believe. I just, how dare, and, 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 and we... It's like, dude, take a breath. Leave others out of it. Leave room for God to act. If you want the conflict to die down in your life, stop throwing logs on the fire. Move beyond it. Think about Paul's words. Why not be wrong? Just, okay, they said something mean to you. Have you ever said anything mean to anybody else? It's okay. Let it go. Move on, move forward. Proverbs 16, verse 28 says this, a contrary person spreads conflict and a gossip separates close friends. How many families and extended families, they've experienced fracture over the last number of months because messaging that goes around instead of going to the person who, who maybe is the source of the issue, everybody's talking to everybody else but the person who's the problem. 
conflict doesn't go away. No, instead, it, it separates close friends. Chapter 17, verse 9 says this, whoever conceals an offense promotes love, but whoever gossips about it separates friends. See, how dare me, if, if I had something, again, hypothetically, would never happen, but if I had something against Brandon, I need to deal with that with Brandon. But how many of us, instead of dealing with the person, we, we pull other people in? Because again, often we want sympathy more than we want freedom. But if my thought is, well, I was wronged and being wronged isn't right. And because it's not right, somebody's got to pay. And the only payment I will accept is revenge. Friends, we have to stop. We need to do a timeout. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves once again. Because the gospel is this. God was wronged because of my sin. And wronging him was not right. And because of that wrong, someone had to pay. But I'm thankful that that someone wasn't me. It was Jesus. He provided the payment. He he stepped in. And as people who are marked by that gospel, we also have to live that gospel out with one another. Being wronged doesn't justify doing wrong. And here's why this matters. The work of restoration and reconciliation and the work of revenge don't play well together. It's hard to be reconcilers when we want revenge. God has called us to be reconcilers with one another. Come on, today around this room, can I invite you to stand to your feet? Those who are watching at home, would you stand as well? I want to say a word of prayer. We're going to sing this song, part of the song, just one more time before we have some final instructions before we're closing today. But Jesus, we need your help. Holy Spirit, we need your help to avoid the trap of revenge. Being wronged doesn't justify doing wrong. So help us to live as free people, free from offense, free from seeking out our own revenge. God, I pray for those who today, they they need to say yes to you. They need to embrace the gospel. God, thank you that you didn't take out revenge on me, but but you stepped into the, the place, the payment, the penalty that I deserved, and you took it upon yourself. What an incredible good news. Jesus, thank you for setting us free. And I pray for those who today, they, they need to embrace that to become their own story. I thank you that scripture says, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. We thank you for your love and how you meet us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come on, let's sing this.